Holiday Monday, May 22nd with Pike. I'm Steinberg. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Hello, Pike. So obviously we're going to talk extensively about uh, the line matching in the World Championship, right? Uh, we'll that's get a big, the, that's uh, a big story, isn't later it? Later on this hour. Stay tuned. Uh, it may not make the podcast, but we'll definitely talk... It'll be like Matt Damon on the Kimmel show. He'll, we'll eventually get to it. Uh, Craig Conroy is going to be the next general manager of the Flames. We're expecting Tuesday for that to be official, but he is the new GM of the Calgary Flames. Good on him. I think it's the right choice. The way that you phrased it, why not? Like, Tell me why it shouldn't be Craig Conroy, and that's a really good way of putting it as well. So what does this mean now for the Calgary Flames? What... What does the decision to go with Craig Conroy mean for the Calgary Flames? What does that mean for player personnel? What does that mean for the direction of the organization? And let's start with what it means for who the next head coach is going to be. Flames Talk coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's start with the coach. Where does this go now that Craig Conroy is the GM? There's Mitch Love's name, Ryan Huska's name, Kirk Muller is a former head coach in the NHL. So here's Elliot Friedman on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast talking about coaches and starting with Mitch Love, who is kind of that hot commodity right now. He's going to join us later on this hour, in fact, Mitch Love is. But uh, Elliot Friedman on Mitch Love as potential head coach of the Flames and others. You know, he's been the coach of the year, two straight years in the AHL. They lost a really tough playoff series to Coachella Valley uh, the other night. Calgary basically has to decide. There's nothing much more that guy can do in their organization. So the Flames have to decide, is he our guy or not? Mm-hmm. Kind of similar with Ryan Huska. And the other names I mentioned, Kirk Muller. I do believe Muller's going to get a look there. I've heard Muller has interviewed elsewhere too. But I do think Muller is going to get a look there. Travis Green, I think, is another guy on their radar. I did not mention Andrew Burnett, but I should. The whole Huberto connection, I think, is not insignificant. But the other name I wanted to mention, because a couple people told me about this, Conroy and Aginla know Alex Tangay very well. And I've heard they both think very highly about Tangay. And the other thing I've heard is that Calgary wants to improve their offense, not only in terms of the kinds of players, but in the way those players are taught, the system they play, the encouragement of more of an offensive game. And obviously a guy like Brunette would really appeal to that, but so would Tangay. Like I've been told that Conroy and Aginla – think that Tange has a very elite offensive mind. Mm-hmm. So people said to me, you would be stupid if 
you did not include Tongay on this list as a potential person in the Calgary search. So that is Elliot Friedman on the latest 32 thoughts on this coaching situation, Pike. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the beginning with Mitch, or do you want to start at the Let's, end with Tongay? And in the middle, there's some meat there's, to chew on. There's a there's a lot there. Thank you, Elliot. Uh, I where do you want to start? Let's, Give start me Let's start with Mitch Love. Okay, so I think Elliot puts it perfectly. If if you're Mitch Love, what else is there for you to do you, at the you, American you, League level? You could make a case that Mitch Win Love is M- Mitch guess. Love yeah. is the the Craig Conroy of uh, of the current uh, coaching mix, at least relative to his current position. I mean, you know. You, you, unless you unless you win a championship, I mean, he could try for the three-peat for coach of the year. I mean, that would be interesting. And but... I do want to say, in in I sometimes think that even in the NHL, judging uh, somebody's body of work, so like I think judging Sheldon Keefe's body of work based solely on Stanley Cups and playoff wins or Kyle Dubas's work based solely on Stanley Cups and playoff wins, I don't think that, that even that is the number or, or the only thing that determines whether or not you're successful or not. That's just my opinion. And I know others disagree and we don't, have, uh, we don't need to get into that conversation. The point I'm making is I think in the American league, the gauge of what makes you a good head coach isn't how many Calder cup rings you have. Isn't how many trips to the Western conference final well, you have case, case in point, just knowing how, weird the american league is in terms well, of rosters and, and, and especially all that type of stuff. especially you know for the flames the flames use their ahl team as a developmental yep. tool and ryan huska and kale mclean got the nhl despite not having a lot of playoff success with the heat because they were really good at producing nhl players for the flames and that's sort of the gig and i think if you look at the body work for love in terms of with the marching orders he was given uh granted i mean you had you had an MVP caliber season from you know uh, Dustin Wolf two years in a row, and you had you know All Star caliber performance from uh, from Phil. young Matthew Phillips, yeah. and you had but he if you look at some some of the stuff that happened down the roster, I think the fact you know I mentioned you know last hour they lost a ton of bodies, and then they changed countries, and it's a completely different atmosphere, and I think for a lot of uh, for a lot of groups being so close to the NHL club can be a burden because you know that. Daryl Sutter's watching every night. The and the brass has the ability to watch you firsthand whenever they feel like it, and that that can be a really tough situation. But I think, you know, in part because of the leadership in that room and the leadership of the coaching staff led by Mitch Love, I think they did a really good job navigating that and making that situation a net positive for the group and helping the younger guys in that group really, really take a big step. Well, and the way that Elliot puts it, I think, is really important in that they got to figure out what they're doing here because. There's been plenty of buzz out there, whether it's Kevin Weeks or Elliot Friedman or Sarah Valley. Like, there's been plenty of people who have talked about, yeah, Mitch Love is is getting eyeballed around the league, and at the very worst, he's knocking on the door to taking a step to the NHL. Now, whether or not that's a step from head coach in the American League to head coach in the NHL or whether that's a jump from the AHL to an assistant in the NHL. But he is knocking on the NHL's door, and probably, if he wanted, could be in the NHL next season. So the question, if you're the Flames, is if that's the case, and if you've got teams like Anaheim or maybe elsewhere that are interested in him or eyeing him up as a potential head coaching candidate, the question that if you're Conroy and crew, when talking about Mitch, and and we'll move from him to Huska afterwards, but we'll start with Mitch, the question you have to ask is, Okay, 
is that going to be with our organization? If he if he's knocking on the NHL's door, are we going to be the team that opens that door? The well, we, we talk about the NHL or the AHL as a developmental tool. That's got to be for coaches too. And I think the Flames have done a nice job developing, you know, bench strength, literally bench strength through their developmental system, through their their coaching system. But if you're Mitch Love. I think when you have your exit meeting with Craig Conroy in the coming days, you know, after a very successful AHL season, if I'm him, my question is, what's next for me? Like, what's the plan here? Because is it as simple as you're going to be the head coach? Sure, that'd be simple, but it's a big jump. Is it as simple as, well, when we talk to whoever it is we talk to and we end up hiring someone, the caveat is it's a package deal. You get to be head coach, but guess who's your assistant coach that you're mentoring the next year? Mitch Love. Could be as simple as that. But if I'm him and if I'm the organization, as he's an asset. He's an, an organizational asset. They found him in Everett. They brought him up. He's very good. And now if you've had an asset, you got to figure out how to maximize it. And I think that's a big challenge right now. That's a big question mark. Well, and I think you're having very similar, if not almost identical conversations about Huska. Different spots in in their careers. Huska's got now five years of being in the NHL as an assistant under his belt on top of multiple years as a head coach in the American League and multiple really successful years as a head coach in the Western League under his belt. Yeah. But I think you're having very, very similar conversations about Huska in that he was a runner-up in Detroit a year ago. He was number two on the Red Wings and almost was a head coach in the NHL last year. So you have a guy who is very well thought of league-wide. He's very well thought of inside that room. Does not have a contract. So come June 30th, is free to go wherever he wants. Um, so he could very well be elsewhere next season. And so I think you're having the same conversations about Huska. And, and so I think at this point, the best case scenario is keeping both. I don't know how likely that is, but I think you want to keep one of those guys with the organization and whether it's Husk or whether it's, it's Mitch love and, and Kirk Muller is Elliot Friedman mentioned as well, getting some looks. I think he had some sniffs last summer as well. So, you know, if you're, if you're this management group, you are probably going to be losing a few coaches just because if the head coaching job is, is not, for them here, they might look elsewhere, yeah. whether it be uh, associate or assistant jobs around the league or, or potential candidates for head coaching I'll, jobs. I'll say this, you know, uh, talking to folks in the Western League, people pay attention. People pay attention. So if you're, you know, case in point, uh, the, 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 the Flames organization, they had Kale McLean when he was in Abbotsford. He went to the play, he went to coach in the ECHL for a little while. Then uh, the Flames brought him back for, for uh, the Heat and then brought him back up. Uh, Ryan Huska, they got him from Kelowna. He went in the, in the firm system, coached there, moved up. If you're the Flames, you know how you get good, you know, we, we talk about, it's a, hockey's a really small world. You know this. And everyone talks. And everyone pays attention. And if you're, you know, you know how you get Mitch Love to be your AHL coach? You get Mitch Love to be your AHL coach by showing that there's a pathway to the NHL. You're showing that this is an organization that has has valued and shown the ability to value developing coaches, giving them a chance to, to shine, and then give them opportunities. And, you know, if you're if you're if you're him, you're probably going, okay, you know, I'm feeling good about this. But how how the Flames navigate this will influence how you know who's the next guy? Who's are they going to get somebody? You know, another so another pipeline they, for the Western if League. They go so just for sake of this conversation. What you're saying is, if they go Mitch Love as head coach, how does that influence 
a potential hot shot in the Western yeah. League on the or the Ontario League or whatever, yeah. and say, oh, there is a path there. Maybe going to coach the Wranglers with that open job if this were to happen. That I, I get. Yeah, what you're there's saying. a there's a, if if you show there's a developmental pipeline that there is a pathway. Same with players. If you're you think Matthew, you know, Matt, as much as Matthew Phillips is paying attention to getting a pathway to the NHL from the minor league system as a player, coaches are the same way. And they want to know that there's opportunities and they'll have an open door to either move up or move on to other opportunities elsewhere. And so far the Flames, you know, the last two head coaches of the of the Stockton Heat have gone on to be fairly successful NHL coaches and have some pretty prominent roles in the Flames coaching staff. And, you know, if you you want to keep that pipeline moving because that's the easiest way to get the, the best and the brightest from around the hockey world, showing that there's opportunities. Let's talk about Huska. Because I, I think Mitch Love is a great coaching candidate. I really do. I And I honestly, last week, Wes and our text line kind of convinced me that if you're going to lose this guy, you might have to you might have to go the direction of of promoting him and and giving him the head coach. For, for him, job. for very me, it's a question of what's his role. Like, what is head coach from the AHL too much? Do you want to do what you did with Huska and sort of move him up and give him a really clear lane in the in the NHL staff? Because you know, talking about Ryan Huska, Ryan Huska, you know, really quietly has done a really nice job with that defensive group and the penalty kill. The the Flames' their penalty kill has been top third. Like that, that is yeah. the one area that really excelled last year. They and, were what seventh or sixth this yeah, they, year? Yeah, they were top 10 two years in a row, and that's with missing some significant players. Oliver Shillington was gone. They turned over, you know, Eric Branson was gone. Eric Branson was a giant part of that PK. Uh, they had, yeah, him you know, and Tanev they had were the Tanev, first two guys over the board. They had Tanev in another lineup. You have, and you know, I think, especially with teaching and integrating young faces into your blue line, especially with a puck movement game that was a hallmark of the Flames uh, for a couple of years. It probably will be a hallmark of the Flames in the future based on the personnel. I mean, he's he's a guy that understands the system, understands the ins and outs of their players, and has coached personally in the system a lot of their key young guys. And I think that ability to connect with the young players that Huska has had, he's shown the ability to do that with the young players in the American League, the young players that they transition to the NHL, the veteran guys in the NHL. Because it's, you know, I don't think you coach uh, Mark Giordano for a year or two in the NHL without showing the ability to be able to be tactical and communicate what you want to do to a guy who's been around the league quite a bit. So Huska to me is a really unique case because he's so good at the niche that he's been given to 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 have domain over that you're kind of wondering ooh can he can he bring this kind of mentality this kind of detail you know oriented uh, mentality of the game to a broader to squad. being the head coach because yeah he like he was he was a good AHL head coach that's why again obviously the roles are completely different though and you know some guys when they move up to the big chair it just doesn't work out as well I mean Jim Playfair was a fantastic assistant well, coach and this but- is my that that's worries the wrong word but you know we have seen the internal coaching hire especially the assistant to uh, NH uh, assistant to head coach internal hire not work so well here. I mean, Jeff Ward didn't even get a full season as head coach without being an interim. Like he, he lasted 36 games and then Daryl was brought in and Jim Playfair lasted one season before Daryl brought Mike Keenan in. So that assistant to head coach has not worked very well with the flames, but I do wonder like if they, if, if, and I know Conroy's a big fan of Huska, I, I think that 
Huska and Mitch Love are both going to get real long looks as head coach of this team. And and I think I don't think you can count Husk out, uh, Husk out at all when it comes to being in this conversation. And I, I do want to get to the 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 external names in a second, but Huska is a guy that just based on the way he communicates and just talking to different players inside that room, I think he's looked at as a guy who's paid his dues and a guy that would be able to make that jump from being an assistant to head coach, even inside the same organization. Yeah. And I, but I, you know, just the dynamics of it, I think are so unique. The going from the, the role of being the assistant, because, you know, you gotta be the bad guy with the head coach sometimes. And I think, I think he could do it, but I think especially, you know, with the the challenges we've seen, and it's not a Calgary only thing. I th- if you know, I know there's always criticisms, you know, inside the market of oh, the Flames when they promote X Y Z, they're not doing this or that right. I think league wide, it's a big challenge in, within the same organization going from being an assistant coach to being a head coach. I think because the dynamic is so different that some guys, and even some, just some locker rooms, some guy you, you could have the right guy who goes who gets the promotion at the right time for him and. He completely fills the role well, but the room just isn't ready for it. So there's just so many dynamics, but I agree with you. I, I seeing Ryan Huska up close, talking to him extensively over the last few seasons, like he's got such a great mind for the game that I'd love to see him get the opportunity. Um, And then I want to talk, because we talked about Brunette before and Brunette's, I think that you fully understand why he's in the mix. And I you know, was talking to a few people. I, I do think he's in the mix for sure. Um, and you get that call that, that, that connection to Jonathan Huberdo and how important it is to unlock Jonathan Huberdo more so this coming season. So I think there's good reason that he's in there and Elliot was very adamant that, yeah, he's in that mix. And, and I believe that to be true as well. But Alex Tange is the one that is fascinating to me because <laughs> I, I am, I've always been a huge Tange fan as, as a player. I loved him when he was in Calgary. I thought he was a, a really just very insightful way that he thought about the game as a player. I always thought that from a media standpoint, trying to, you know, portray and learn about the game myself and also try to get answers that, help you as a listener learn a little bit more about the game or the mentality of a guy who plays it at a high level. I thought Tange did an incredibly good job at it. And I would be fascinated to see Alex Tange, the NHL coach, uh, the NHL head coach. He's been an assistant in Detroit the last two years, but I would be really interested to see Alex Tange, the head coach in the NHL. For, for you, is it a concern that he's never been a head coach? Because um, he has two years with Utica and then two years with the, the Red Wings. So he's definitely experienced. Two years with Iowa. Iowa, the yeah. Iowa Wild. Iowa I always Wild. mix up yeah. Utica and Iowa. I apologize to you both cities. You don't need to go to either place, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, I think for, for me, like, is a, as a tactical systems guy, he's got the mind for it. And, you know, he I think he unfortunately had the, the bad luck of being here right when the Flames went into uh, the don't call to rebuild years because he was he was so good for so long and then just they the team changed direction and it wasn't the right fit for him anymore but he's he's got such a good mind for the game and you can see like i mean when there's been buzz minor buzz around him in coaching circles pretty much since he started in uh, in Iowa because you know few guys with such relatively you know short 
coaching careers move up to the NHL that quickly. And granted, Detroit has the ability to do that because they are where they are in their development as an organization. But he's taken advantage of that opportunity. And he's, you know, he started to, he, it's a young group there. He's shown the ability to connect with the young players in Detroit. He's shown the ability to really help them progress. And, you know, again, if you're going to have, you know, some young fresh faces come into Calgary over the next year or two, just for cap reasons, but also because they got some guys pushing, having someone who isn't that far removed from his coaching career or his playing career as a coach, that might be an easy way to supercharge things a bit. I, but I even look at it with like that dude is cerebral. That dude is, sees the game at a, like when Daryl Sutter said that Jonathan Huberdeau might be the best passer the Flames have ever had, if that was to be the case, and I know that this year didn't go very well for Jonathan, I understand, but Tange was probably the best passer prior to that. And they're so similar in a lot of ways. Huberdeau definitely shoots more than Tange did. I've joked with Tange many times about how, He's like, yeah, you know why I didn't shoot it very much? Because when I shot, I was very accurate. He's amongst one of the most accurate shooters in NHL history. Um, and he, but he didn't shoot very often. He's like, I chose my spots because I'm better at passing. So, and it's like, I know because Dylan writes and he goes, Tangs is one of my top five players of all top top, top five flames forwards of all time. Uh, but don't we want Huberto shooting his high-quality opportunities instead of passing on an open net? Because if I recall, Tange did stuff like that lots himself. Yes, Dylan and Revy, um, Tange, but Tange <laughs> was even more pass-first than Huberto was. But Tange's offensive mind and the way that he reads the game, that's super interesting to me. If they were to go down that road, I'd be and very fascinated to see Alex Tange as... Because, yeah. look... He's got more experience than Marty St. Louis did. And Marty St. Louis, without a lot of experience, jumped in. And he's a pretty authoritative guy. And he's listened to in Montreal. So I, I'd i be very curious about Tongay, a head coach. And, and, and that's, especially, a, that's, a, that's a different route to go down than than some of the other names that we've heard and, so far. And the, the two things I point to, I think, you know, it's easy, low-hanging fruit. But the two things you point to from the last year's Flames, you go, oh, man, if you can fix two things, you're, you're cooking. The goaltending, if you get league average goaltending, you're a playoff team. And or you get league average power play, power play you're yeah. a playoff team. You don't even have a good power play. You just need to be average. And I don't think a, an Alex Tangay coach team settles for an average power play. I think you're you're getting some uh, some returns there. Really curious to see if and and look, I mean, we know Jerome's joining the organization at some point, and I think that we'll probably get an announcement on that fairly um, fairly shortly after the, the Conroy introduction on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, I, we know that Aginla had a lot of success with Tange on his line. Conroy was on that team as well. They know him very well. So there is a history there, but I'd be super interested to see. I, I quite like the internal names that they've got. And sometimes I think there is a time for promoting internally. And sometimes I think there's a time we're going external is the way to go. If they were to go internal, I'd be totally on board with it because I think they've got some great candidates, but yeah. if they feel like they need to bring in a completely fresh set of eyes to be the man running the bench. Tange is... has vaulted right to the top to me. Cause that is a, that's a really interesting you, one. You, you ever, you ever go to the candy store on the weekend when you were a kid, Pat, and you only had five bucks and then you look around the candy store and every aisle has something you're like, Oh, I want that. I want that. That could be good. That could be good. That's kind of how I feel about this this uh, potential coaching search because like there are so many guys 
who have paid their dues and have really unique perspectives and are really talented and deserve the opportunities. And you can't hire them all. Some you're going to leave yes. someone disappointed. Some, you know, somebody who's really talented won't get this job or won't get a job in this coaching staff simply because, you know, there's, there's not enough seats. Unfortunately, you can only have one boss at by the bench. It's going to be it, how this unfolds. I think is going to be utterly fascinating. And I think it's going to be the thing, you know, for folks going, Oh, how's Conroy different than the guys who, who he, uh, he took over from. This is, is going to where I think we get the insights into how Craig sees the game and what Craig thinks the team needs to do better or differently than they did a year or two ago. Few texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Just minutes away from chatting with Wranglers head coach Mitch Love. He'll join us very shortly. Uh, this says: Is it more likely we see Phillips in a Flames jersey next year if Mitch Love gets the head coaching job in Calgary? I, I would imagine that that would have a play a part in it for sure. Uh, I I think yeah. Uh, I would be confident saying it would be more likely. This says from Big Mike. Good afternoon, gents. I definitely don't want Muller. How do they choose between Huska and Love? That's a that's a fascinating one to me. And I think the way that you make that decision, if it's down to those two, I think you gotta engage some of your veteran players. I think you have and, and you may not you you might have to read between the lines. You might have to take a lot of what you've heard and interpret it. But I think you engage your Lindholms and your Huberdos and your Cadres and your Uyghurs and, and your Rasmus Andersons and you get the sense how would they respond to 37, 38 year old Mitch Love with no NHL head coaching experience, but a rising star, as opposed to how they'd respond to Ryan Huska getting the bump to assistant coach. That, and, that's how and, I would go about making that decision. And let's be honest here. I mean, much like Craig Conroy's got to hire someone to replace Craig Conroy, if you promote Love or you promote Huska, you got to, you got to find some, especially yep. I think the Huska role specifically is fascinating to me because that's such a key role in the, the especially with how important special teams are in the NHL right now. If you if you have if you have someone who's a good PK guy, you got to put him in charge of finding another yeah. good PK guy. Uh, this says Muller is head coach with Huska and Love as assistants. This says Tongi's a super cerebral hockey mind. This says boys, I hope if the Flames end up hiring Brunette, it's because they truly believe he's the best hire for the team and not pandering to Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, what I would say about that is, I think when you've got the biggest contract in franchise history six weeks away from kicking in. And you've got Jonathan Huberdeau, who's coming off the worst season of his professional career. And he's here for eight more years at $10.5 million. When you're making player personnel decisions, when you're thinking about who to bring into the organization from a skating perspective, and when you're thinking about who to bring into the organization from a coaching perspective, I think Huberdeau needs to be a part of your decision. He is not the only reason that you would hire Andrew Burnett, but I have no problem with that being a reason why you hire Andrew Burnett. You know why else? Because the Panthers won the president's trophy last year and Burnett's a hell of a coach. Now, Obviously, with what they've done in Paul Maurice, they're doing okay. I get, I grant you that they're doing just fine. But if one of the reasons you hire head coach A over head coach B is because of the Huberto factor, I personally have no problem with that because you're locked in that contract for the next eight years, and there's eighty-four million dollars still on that contract. So that's how I look at it. Um, okay, Steinberg, 
Pike along with you. This hour of Flames Talk well underway. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. It's Steinberg along with you, and now we say hello to the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Mitch Love joins us on the program right now. Season came to an end Friday night, 6-5 overtime loss to the Coachella Valley Firebirds in Game 5 of that Best of 5 Pacific Division Final. Mitch, as always, appreciate the time. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, I, I guess just uh, overall, it's it's the Monday after a Friday elimination. Just I, I, I guess how are you reflecting and, and thinking back on how the season came to an end? Uh, yeah, Pat, you know what? Um, still kind of uh, hasn't really set in, to be honest with you. I mean, we, we kind of met with the players here today and, um, you know, went through our, our exit meeting um, procedure and, and physicals and whatnot. Um, you know, you kind of briefly, you, you know, you hit, hit on it with the player a little bit about, you know, how was the season? What did you think of playoffs? And a lot of the feedback was the same, or, uh, you know, a little bit of shock, um, a lot of disappointment because we felt like we were, uh, you know, right there with Coachella and, um, but we, we knew it was going to be a tight series. We, we knew it was going to be, you know, a break or bounce here or there. That was going to be the difference. And, you know, <laughs> You look at game five and overtime in a six, five game. Um, We had a chance of two on one uh, early on. And then then they get an opportunity, uh, you know, off, off the rush and and scoring theirs. And that was the difference, but um, yeah, it's hard. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow for sure. um, Cause it was a great bunch of of kids. And uh, you know, I think we felt like we had a lot more to give. What is, and and I'm, and by no means am I asking like uh, to, to get in on the exit meetings, but I'm just, I'm curious, like what the the overall theme from from you is when you're talking to players on a day like this. Is is there uh, an overarching theme that that you're relaying to your players on uh, exit interview day? Um, I try to keep it short and sweet. I mean, we spend a lot of time with these guys each and every day. Um, you know, whether it's their individual player team play, and I think everybody agrees that we wish we were practicing today, preparing for game one of the Western conference finals, but here we are. Um, you know, I, you know, just, you kind of ask them to reflect on their year personally, uh, you know, from, from their words, uh, you give them a little bit of feedback in terms of where you see, you know, their year was and where it needs to get to in terms of the progression of playing in this league and, and trying to advance themselves to the NHL. Uh, you ask them about their summer plans, you know, where, where you train in, what, what's, you know, do you have any vacations involved, family, marriages, whatever, you know, whatever may be uh, going on in the personal world of their, their off season. Um, you know, you ask them what they could have done differently, what, what they'd like to improve on. Um, 
And then, you know, of course, they go through their physicals with the trainers and equipment and all that, and mm-hmm. with management and go through that process. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was good. But, again, it, we, these are conversations we have with the guys all the time, and it's not, not rocket science at all uh, with, with the players. And um, the, the, probably the hardest part, to be honest with you, Pat, is it's American hockey. There's a ton of turnover. Yeah. Um, guys – move on they get opportunities elsewhere they make those decisions uh, it was a tight-knit group um, and so you know the fact that you might not see some of these guys for another 20 years again at some point uh, that's probably the hardest part as a coach and a player but you know um, I got all, all the respect in the world for our group and what they pr- provided us in this community here this year and you know, I think we wish we were still playing hockey here today. Well, it's it's kind of on that same vein then, Mitch, because I was on on Friday night after watching the game. Uh, made sure to watch your post game newser in in SoCal, then watched it again this morning on Monday, and you know, I just the 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 thing that I was struck with coming out of it is you, know, I, you were really adamant even that night, just minutes after your season came to an end, about you know, how this group really needs to make sure that. They, there's nothing to hang your head on and, and there's nothing to, you know, feel like to, to be ashamed of or, or have no shame in terms of the way the season came to an end. Is that, is that still something that sticks with you now that, you know, you're a little bit more removed from the emotion of the game? Well, I'm a competitive guy and I know we, we've got a group of people around here, staff and players included that, that are competitors and, you know, the, the loss, um, didn't sit well and doesn't sit well. And it's something that we'll definitely probably chew on here for a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we, we did lose to a, a very good hockey team. I mean, <laughs> you know, like they, they were, they were older. They were, um, you know, they were very well coached. Um, they were a good team all year long. Uh, and they had some key injuries, the key players that came back in this series, like, we we didn't we, you know we were the higher sweet seed but we didn't really get upset you know they were good right and um, that that's the reality of the business um, are we disappointed by it yeah of course because we we were right there too and we were shot away from sending them home and back to the golf course and and here we are but uh, I, I'm extremely proud of the guys uh, this is a long hockey season we spent almost 80 days in a hotel this year as a team, just based on being here and our travel and our division. And we grew as a group, guys grew as individuals. Um, guys are going to learn lessons that'll help them moving forward, whether it's with this organization or the next. Um, and, and it was a fun group to be around. And, and I, you know what, I, I would say that all day long. It, it was a pleasure to coach this team. What, uh, in, in your eyes, Mitch, what, what made this group unique? What made this group special for you as the coach? I think it was the carryover a little bit of last year's team. You know, we had the, the Matthew Phillips, the Dustin Wolfs, Jacob Pelches, Connor Zaris, Nick DeSimones, um, you know, Colton Pullman's guy, you know, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but we, we had guys that, that came with us from Stockton that, you know, put us in a position. Uh, we were a couple wins away from a Calder cup finals appearance last year. Uh, we had a slow start here. We brought in a lot of new players. Guys got opportunities elsewhere last off season. I, I, I give those guys a lot of credit for kind of like bringing the new group of players into the culture. And this is how we do business. This is how the coaching staff works. This is how we got to practice. 
this is what we do. And, and, and after a slow start, they turned it around and we were a competitive team all year long. And, and, and I, I give them a lot of credit. I think that's where it really needs to stem from. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully that's again, another sign for moving into next year that some of those younger players that are kind of going their third year pro hockey, that they can bring on the next group and some of our older players can do it again. And we want to make sure we're a competitive team here in this market. We're chatting with Mitch Love. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. How do you um, how do you look back on year one being in the same city as the NHL club? Well, I think it was great. Um, uh, you know, a little bit of the feedback the players gave us today was just how cool it was to be in a Canadian hockey market. Um, you know, obviously not in terms of NHL, the, the, the media buzz that the Flames would get, but we got a lot of buzz from the local media and, and the guys as the season wore on, our crowds got bigger, the attention through the media and the city and what they were doing and, and accomplishing was, was greater and greater. And uh, I guys really enjoyed it. They love the city, you know, they, they love playing here. Um, people are friendly. They're, they know what's going on in the hockey industry. Um, they're, they're the, the guys, wives, girlfriends, fiancés really enjoyed being here. They were a tight knit group. Um, that, that's important stuff over a long hockey season. And uh, this is a great place to work, a great place to play hockey. And, and uh, you know, the guys were really excited to be a part of it. Did uh, you know, just logistically in terms of having the NHL team in the same market and, and, you know, just all of that, did, did that, did you notice anything strikingly different having that scenario as opposed to being in Stockton last year? Well, I think, you know, obviously Brad Pascal, you know, runs our hockey club here and, and as an assistant general manager for the Flames and he's a little more hands on day to day with our group. But I think, you know, obviously with Tree around and, and Craig Conroy and Don Maloney and you know, the pro scouts that were coming out, there were there was and, and even the coaching stack for the Flames with, with Daryl and Kirk and Kale and Ryan Huska and Jason LaBarba, like there was a lot more eyes on our team here in terms of seeing those guys day-to-day especially games and, and getting a bit of a pulse on how they operate at this level I think that was really important and and then you obviously seen that by the call-ups this year for some of our guys that got opportunity at the Flames I think that at the end of the day that's what this was all about was to have this move happen that way and the convenience of being in the same center and, and you know more and more eyes watching these guys develop uh, I think it was really beneficial for the players. Mitch, you had uh, a pretty young group, all things considered. I mean, you had some really important veterans, but when you take a look at whether it was Matthew Phillips or uh, Connor Zarian, just his first, like, I guess, second full professional season, he finishes second on your team in scoring. And Jacob Pelche and Jeremy Poirier and Emilio Pedersen like, had, some, had some really young prospects on this team. And your group still finished number one in the American League. I'm just how how did you see the progression from your young group as the year went along? Yeah, I mean, we started out the year early on, no different than the question you just asked me, Pat. Like, who who is going to step up? I, I, I think that you know we lost Glenn Godden, you know Luke Philp, um, Justin Kirkland. We. Kevin Gravel, we lost a lot of players last year from a very good team, and those guys were very deserving of opportunities elsewhere if they didn't, you know, come back here. And uh, we needed guys to step up, especially our younger players that had to take a big step from year one to year two or year two to year three. 
Um, and I thought those guys did. I mean, Connor Zari was our second leading scorer. Um, Emilio Pedersen was our fourth leading scorer. Uh, we brought guys in here that, you know, the, the pro scouts and management brought in from, from elsewhere that had career years. In, in order to be a good team, you need guys to take big steps and you need guys to have career years offensively, um, you know, towing the, 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 the team structure line. And we had a lot of guys do that. And, and I think that was really what boiled down in terms of our consistency in the regular season and, and being a win away from, uh, you know, Western Conference final. A few more with Mitch Love, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us here on Flames Talk on this Monday. Uh, Mitch, I, I asked you this uh, about three or four weeks ago, and, and now that the season's over and there, there's a head coaching job open with the Flames and, and your name's been mentioned on the outside in connection to that job many times or, or maybe some other jobs in the NHL, I guess just... Where are you? What's your perspective on potentially making that jump to the NHL? Where where do things sit with that personally for you right now? Well, it's still a little fresh here, Pat, to be honest with you. Just yep. going through today and, and, you know, just kind of winding things down and what the next steps are here. I mean, again, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm proud to be working for this organization. Um, it's given me a lot of opportunity to grow as a hockey coach and, and make the next advancements in my career as a coach in, in this game, a great game we have. And, um, you know, again, I think I told you probably three or four weeks ago when we had this conversation, do I want to coach in the national hockey league? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do I understand there's an opportunity here potentially with, with everything going on? Yeah. Um, have I had conversations with the organization about it? Not yet. Um, hopefully, soon enough um do i feel like i can coach the nhl and 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 be productive and and help the team win yeah i do uh, that that's just me being honest with you um you know but again there, there's going to be a lot of quality candidates around and and there's good coaches out there and um we'll see what shakes out here over time mitch is having your name out there like that and i know that you know when i asked you the last time he said no oh, pat i I like to stay off Twitter, and, and I respect that uh, in, in your job immensely. But when, when you get asked that question, is that, in, in some way, is it validating? Is it encouraging that you're, you're clearly making an impact and, and you're clearly making a, a really positive name for yourself? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, to be honest with you, Pat, I'm, I'm just, uh, I am who I am in terms of a coach and a person, and I, I don't pay a lot of attention to that stuff. I just really enjoy coaching hockey. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I always told myself I wasn't a very good hockey player and I, I came up short, uh, making the national hockey league as, as a youngster. And, um, but I always kind of said to myself that I, you know, when I, when I got into coaching, going through junior and ending up here, and, you know, that I wanted to coach in the NHL and I wanted to get to the NHL, whether it was as a player, or as a coach, because I love the game so much and uh, I love helping people get to where they want to get to or maximizing their talents. And I, I you know, um, but at the end of the day, I just want to coach and I like coaching. And so if it's here at the Calgary flames and, and I can be a part of the organization for a long time, that's what I want to do. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what shakes out here over time. Last one for you, Mitch. And, and I really do respect that answer a lot. Um, I, what, what is your, so much on the outside anyway 
those who are not coaching and are not playing. But on the outside, a lot is talked about, you know, the ability to and the importance to connect to players and, and communicate individually with players and, and, you know, have that connection with each individual guy, but also have your philosophy and, and the things that are important as, as more of a bigger picture. I'm just curious as to your philosophy of being a head coach and, and specifically your philosophy on messaging and communicating with players in this day and age. How, how would you describe your approach to that? Well, I think it's um, that this game now and just the way the athletes are, I mean, and, and really coaches, I mean, you, you, you got to adapt, man, with the players. And um, uh, it's so driven to just the one-on-one communication, the the component of, of challenging players, being honest with them. But there, there's a way to go about that. And I, I don't know if I can really explain myself properly other than just being myself as a person with the players and, um, you know, behind closed doors and, and whatnot. So, I, you know, the players that have played for me, um, they could probably answer that question better, to be honest with you. I, I just, I really just try to connect with the players. I feel like if you can connect with them and, and, and you're honest with them and you're willing to work with them, they're going to give you what, what they can to, to be successful as a team. And, um, I think that's a big, big chunk of today's player and the big chunk of being a today's coach is, is that. And um, that's kind of where I'm at and the kind of my philosophies in terms of working with athletes. Uh, I, I do uh, just want to say that you're, you're communicating with us all year long for a second straight year has been uh, an absolute pleasure. It's been awesome to be able to also be down at the Dome and, and get in as many Wranglers games in person as possible. Just wasn't possible last year in Stockton. So that was a, it was really neat, and uh, it's been awesome having you on once again weekly with us, Mitch. So I know the season didn't end the way you wanted it, but uh, it, was, uh, it was a really, really great addition to this program, and we loved having you on. So sincerely, thanks, thanks for everything. I know sometimes it was in between games, and, and you did it. Uh, in in the middle of the playoffs and and uh, that that didn't go unnoticed on our end. So I just wanted to sincerely say thanks, and we really did appreciate having you on all year long. Congratulations on the season, and uh, good luck with whatever the future holds, Mitch. Yeah, I appreciate it, Pat. I mean, it's always a pleasure to come on here with you weekly, and Wes when he's jumping on, and um, you know the support you guys gave our team this year through the local media was outstanding. I mean, our guys noticed it; it was huge. Um, it's always good to catch up with you, man. I hope you have a great off season and, uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Uh, you as well, Mitch. Thanks so much, man. Be well. Hey, sounds good. Thanks, Pat. That's Mitch Love, the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary co-op wine spirits beer today. Honestly, I, I, uh, respect the answer about, uh, just talking about the future and, and, that's like what I've got to know about that guy is that there's like, is he going to tell you about his game plan for any specific team? Of course not. He's going to not tip his hand on those types of things, but he doesn't ever BS you. And, and you know, when, when he talked about how fresh it is and how he hasn't really thought about it yet, 
that's no BS because it's Monday after a Friday overtime elimination of a season that they felt was capable of being even better than it ended up being. And it's still pretty raw and it's still pretty painful the way the year came to an end. They lost in game five. It's a game seven overtime loss, but in game five, it's the same thing. And so, yeah. And, and to do it on exit meeting days and you heard him when he talked, got a little emotional there when it talked about not being able to, see a lot of these guys again or coach or be with these guys again because of the cyclical nature that is the American League. And yet, I thought he gave a really good answer about how he believes he can coach and succeed in the NHL. So make of that what you will. We know he's a candidate. We know he's going to get a look. He deserves to be a candidate, and he deserves to get a long look. And make of that what you will and what you heard there from Mitch Love. And I thought it was really interesting the end about how he communicates and messages to players as well. Uh, thanks again to Mitch Thanks to you, Mr. Pike. Ryan Pike's on Twitter, at Ryan and Pike. And our producer has been Cam Hughes. That'll wrap us up on this Monday edition of the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.